This podcast is brought to you by King's Council Coaching. The mission of the King's Council is to help you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents and abilities. In order to leave a legacy, you need to live your legacy of excellence through the five power pillars, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and financial. Now, our programs are specifically designed to give you the blueprint and strategies that you need to gain an edge in the most important areas of your life. If you're an entrepreneur ready to upgrade your finances and align yourself with other powerful kingdom-minded men and women, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com to start your legacy of excellence today. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler, Director of Member Relationships here at the King's Council. And this week I got my brother John Krause with me. John, awesome to have you on the show, brother. Thanks, brother. So good to be on the show, man. Honored. I'm honored to have you. We got a lot to dive into. Obviously, you're a podcaster, you're a business owner, you have a, a foundation that you set up, and, and really an amazing story. Why don't we start with how you got involved with King's Council? It all started back, I, I had not been involved really in any type of coaching, anything like that. I think I had just started exploring, all right, I need to grow, right? Somehow, some way, my business is my business. And a friend of mine introduced me to another online group and I joined. It's the first time I invested in myself. And I was, I, I went from that small group to a larger group. And I'm like, this isn't really what I envisioned it being. It was okay, but it was a really large group. So I saw the value there in that. And then I ended up seeing some something advertised about some virtual CEO of your life thing. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Let me check it out. It had some speakers on it that I was that I that I like to see that I followed their podcasts and like, you know, the Ed Milet's of the world, Ed Milet and Jesse Itzler was on it. And I was like, this should be cool. It, then it just kind of led to something different. I think I missed most of day one and day two is where I was just like, I was like, this is different. And it was just like an automatic thing. I'm like, all right, this is, like I keep saying it's different because it was so different because it encompassed the faith side that no other group for me had. So it had business, faith, it had so many different things that I, I didn't even know I was looking for. So it was a pretty quick decision to, to join up that night. Excellent. You have definitely been an incredible addition to the tribe, but also you have an amazing story, which I've heard bits and pieces of, but why don't you talk to us a little bit about your background and, and give us some of your story? Yeah, as, as for background, I was born and raised here in Connecticut, went to college, met my high, my college sweetheart. I met her, my, my wife Tatum, we got married, started having kids, jobs, got me my MBA, went through all, the whole education thing. Everything was going great. And then cancer struck in 2014, so that was a wild ride. And I, I, by the grace of God, I got through that. That was a, a challenge, and it's one of those things you don't expect to have happen when everything is going well. And then it's been a ride ever since. It's a couple more battles with cancer, starting, like you said, a foundation. It's been a journey for sure. Definitely want to talk more about that, but tell me what you got into coming out of college professionally. Out of college, so I went to school for sport management. So I was like, well, what can I do with that? I, I, I was thinking maybe working in college athletics, and, and I ended up working for health clubs. I, I got out of college, and I was working for a, an office job, and I started working at a health club, and it was a lot of fun. I always worked out growing up, and 
I played sports in college, I played lacrosse in college, and that was fun. And it had always been a part of my lifestyle. So getting into like management and sales just in that industry was like a natural fit. Eventually, I moved on, got into the mortgage business for a while. Actually, no, I, right from there, yeah, from there I got into the mortgage business right away. And until that kind of crashed and burned on me, that was the mortgage business uh, was great in 2004 till 2008 hit 2009. And then it was not great anymore. So yeah, then I started to have to start try to figure things out and move forward. And how did you figure things out? And, and how did that lead you to what you're doing now? Oh, geez, it's been a ride. My wife and I, it's funny, you mentioned like, how did I figure things out? And we're always still figuring things out. It doesn't happen. For, for me, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like a one quick thing. Um, I basically had to, from there, after the mortgage business crashed, I was like, what do I do? What do I do? So I was like, maybe I open a gym. Because what? Like I had to evaluate, what do I have experience doing? And I was like, okay, I, I have the gym business and the mortgage business is gone. Gym, gym business was flying. So I said, well, maybe I'll open a health club, you know? So I ended up partnering up with uh, a guy that I used to work with in the gyms. He had opened up his own gym. I had partnered up with him on a location in Connecticut. Started, we built this location from scratch. And I, I had this whole vision of, oh, this is going to be awesome. Now I'm a business owner. I'm in my young 20s. And I'm like, now I'm a business owner. I'm a, I thought I made it. I was like, I thought I made it. I was like, ah, oh, now I'm super successful. I didn't know anything at that point in time. I didn't know what success meant. I thought being a business owner, being a gym owner, I was going to be set. But having a partner, you learn pretty quickly that you have to be on the same page as the partner. And realizing that partner, he wanted my investment. He didn't really want me to be up there owning as much with him. So after a few years of just running the health club, I, I, I just said, all right, there's got to be an exit strategy. That's when I went back and I'm like scratching my head. I went into the insurance business at that point in time. Um, believe it or not, I, I got into the property casualty selling auto and home and life insurance and things like that. I did that for a few years. And then I, I, I got to that same point. I'm like, where am I going? What am I doing? But like we had kids. I'm try Every time I get a new gig, I'm, I'm going away for traveling. I'm, I'm going away for training. It was just wasn't, I wasn't down. I still was always searching constantly searching for that career that that I envisioned that I'd have from going to college. I, I figured the myth is you go to college and you get a job and you're set. That's not always true. And in fact, in, in today's day and age, I don't think it's as true as it used to be a long time ago. So I was searching, getting an insurance. Then I got to the point where I'm like, all right, maybe I need more school. Maybe I need to go up that corporate ladder at one of these bigger companies here in Connecticut. I'll get my MBA. So I did, I got my MBA. And then I'm like interviewing with all these companies. Now, now I'm getting older, I'm in my 30s at this point, and I'm like, I'm not landing these jobs because I don't have the work experience in these jobs to get the positions that I want. I'm getting to the final interview, everyone loves John Kraus, but they're not hiring me for the job because somebody with the experience is getting it over me. So yeah, I was just like, what do I do? So I ended up landing a job with a startup a startup in the automotive finance industry and I loved it one guy owned it and you see a friend today and I was everything was like going great he was paying me I enjoyed the job yes there was some travel but it wasn't it was very infrequent and then I then cancer hit in 2014 everything was going great we had three kids at the time we had one on the way I was in a job that I they that I enjoyed I enjoyed the guy that I worked for 
It was just things change and th things that are completely out of your control change. And that's when I realized that this whole life is not in my control. And I, I had to, I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. 38 years old, going on 39, everything was going great. And then cancer hits. So that was a big, yeah. Um, talk me through, talk me through what that was like when you got the news. What was your initial response like? How did your wife respond? Can you take us into to that moment? Oh yeah, definitely. So 2014, it was September. I was about to turn 40. <clears throat> I, I had a, a physical, scheduled physical. The doctor a couple weeks before was like, John, you're healthy as a horse. Just go ahead and get your, just go ahead and get your uh, blood tested. So I put, I blew it off naturally because you had to fast and all that. Blew it off for a week or so. And finally I'm like, you know what? I have to go do it. I did it. The night that I, the, the night that I got that thing tested, the doctor called me that night and says, John, I, I, I have your blood test in front of me. I wouldn't call you if I didn't feel like this was necessary, but I think you should go to the ER tonight. So at that point, I'm like, really? Blown away. Okay, sure. Whatever you say, doc. You know, like you, you see what you can. He proceeds to ask me a bunch of questions as far as am I losing weight? Just all these questions. I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm trying to lose weight because I've got I've got a couple extra pounds that I'm trying to lose. I play hockey and things like that. I'm active. Are you tired? I'm like, yeah, of course I'm tired. I've got three kids. I work full time. I work out. But yeah, I'm tired. But no, nothing was like to the point where it was like something's wrong with you, John. Nothing was like that. So when I get to the ER and they tell me that I've got acute myeloid leukemia, I didn't know what that was. I knew leukemia of a lot of kids. It's like a childhood kind of cancer. So I knew I had cancer and it was like shocked. I was shocked. Definitely shocked. Some tears were definitely shed. Just under like, why me? What is happening? The prognosis was you're going to have to stay overnight, get tested, test a little further and confirmed if, it, if that's what it is. But I really think that's what it is. She's telling me. And <clears throat> so that was that. The next day, the doctor comes in, sits with me. And he's, I looked at the reports. It's definitely leukemia. It's an aggressive form of leukemia. We don't really know statistics on it because at that in Hartford, Connecticut, they're not like pros in blood cancer. The guys up in Boston are and in New York are. They're, they basically said, we don't have really statistics on your, because I wanted numbers. Everyone wants numbers. What are my odds? What are, like, can I beat this thing? And he's, yes, he, he's, you're young enough. You're strong enough. You're in good shape. He's got, he's, you got about a 70% chance of, of getting into remission. I'm like, all right, I would have loved 95, but I'll take 70 or 75, you know? So that was that. John, you're going to be in the hospital for 30 days, give or take, to fight this thing. You're going to get hit with chemo for seven straight days. 24 hours a day. That's what it is. So I, I really quickly went from, damn, this sucks to I got too much to live for. Like really quickly, the switch, my mindset switch, switched almost on an instant. Like, all right, I've got three kids. Nobody in my family knew that we had one on the way. I knew we had one on the way. We had found out the week before. I'm like, I, I've got too much to live for. I'm not ready to go yet. And I wasn't even putting it like God's will or anything like that. I haven't, hadn't really had a relationship with God at that point in time in my life. But I was just like, I'm determined to win and I'm stubborn and I've got the right attitude. I got the team behind me, community, boom, let's just get this done. That was my attitude. Wow. So before you, you switched into that, that fighter mentality, what was the hardest part? Was it immediately thinking of your family? Was it your goals? Was it fear of potential 
potentially dying? Was it the pain? Talk me through that initial shock and devastation of what popped in your head in that moment. I think the biggest thing was like, it, it, it was shock. Like I was shocked. Like, wow, I can't believe this is actually happening. It doesn't, didn't make sense to me. I couldn't put it together like to, all right, I, I, I treated my body badly and, and now I have cancer. It wasn't that. It was like, it's an environmental thing. It's not a genetic thing that I had. So it was like, it was trying to understand, trying to figure out why. And as soon as I could get past like, the why doesn't even matter. Like, it is what it is. And to move past like, trying to figure it out, like why and what happened, that, that was short-lived because it quickly moved to, doesn't matter why. This is, what the, this is what's in front of me. And I'm getting through it, period. There's no, I wasn't, I, I never was like crying about having cancer. It wasn't like I, I am so like devastated that I have cancer. It was more like I can't believe my family has to go through watching me be in the hospital, watching me be like in the hospital with just, I, I had young kids at the time. My, my oldest kids were probably five and seven. At that time of the night, it, I had a probably, my youngest son was maybe two around there. So I had y younger kids, so they, they didn't get it. You know what I mean? They didn't really understand what the gravity of the situation was. They didn't know what cancer was. They just knew dad was in the hospital and the doctors were taking care of me. If they, and my wife was amazing. I give so much credit to my wife because she manned the house. She manned the household the entire time, getting the kids to school, back, just everything that she did, took care of everything and the kids asked questions and she answered them appropriately she wasn't going to sugarcoat it and say no everything's sunshine and roses but she wasn't also going to give too much information where it was going to frighten the kids she'd answer their questions and make sure they were comfortable and the, at the end of the day it was just uh, yeah it was just at that point it was just like let's just get through it i was ready to just to keep powering through whatever i had to to, to beat it so obviously you have a lot of experience overcoming adversity and I'm sure we have listeners on here who maybe it is cancer, maybe it is some kind of sickness or maybe it's some other kind of adversity, some other storm, whether it be relationally or financially or, or whatever it is. What, how does someone get through adversity? Let's say right now, one of our listeners, they just have had something, maybe it's really major, maybe it's not quite as major as cancer, but what should be the approach or the mindset that people should take as they, they come into a storm? Nine times out of 10, it's out of their control, right? A lot of times adversity comes and there's nothing you can do about it, right? There's nothing, you didn't cause it. And even when you cause it, when you've made a poor decision and something happens, you just have to head face, face on. You just gotta hit it straight in the face and go right through it. And understand that by doing that, there's going to be good on the other side of it. You're going to get through it. It's not forever. Adversity doesn't last forever. I don't care what, I don't care what it takes. And, and like the thing that I learned during this thing was really my relationship with God. That's one big thing that I, that I really, and I credit my good friend, Nick. He texted me. He, he had some stuff happen in his youth where he really formed a strong relationship with God. He was born again. And he texted me. I'll never forget it. And he's like, John, he's just thank Jesus, praise Jesus, and tell him that you love him. And that's all he said to me. And I said, thanks, Nick. And I was like, appreciate it. I didn't really understand the gravity of what that really meant to me until I actually had to sit down and just give it up and just say, listen, mm. Lord, I, I, I need you right now. And it, it, what it came to was 
nights of fevers. Like, uh, fevers come when you're going through chemotherapy, and they come, and they come, and they go, and they have to test you every time, and they're poking you with needles, and <clears throat> it got to the point where I was just, like, done. Like, in order for me to get out, I had to prove that and show that I was, again, somewhat cancer-free, but also not having fevers and in potential infections. So I got to the point where I was just like, I was good, and then all of a sudden I feel those chills come on, and I'm like, that was the moment. That was the, the, the defining moment. It was like, I was like, all right, enough. I can't do this myself. I can't do this myself. And I realized no matter how positive I am and no matter what awesome community I have, which I had both of those, I needed a higher power. I needed God. And when I asked, I received. And that was the big testimony for me was just like, Jesus, I thank you and I praise you and I love you and I need you right now. Like, I can't do it myself. And when I admitted that to myself and I gave it up, like, I felt, I physically felt the Holy Spirit. Like, instantly. I physically felt the warmth and the love come through my body. Like, instantly. And I, it, I get chills even today, like, thinking of that moment. Because that was the moment where, it was, like, Jesus was like, yep, I got you, big fella. I got you. And that, that was him letting me know that, like, He's the reason, 100%. And obviously I went through a lot in the past few years too, and, and that tested that faith. But that was like, that when adversity hits, you gotta lean on people that you have, but you also have to lean on your faith, 100%. That's so powerful. And I think such a helpful message, especially in the personal development world, because we are in a, an environment where, yeah, is it important to have a, a vision for your life? For sure. But I do think there can be such an emphasis on, hey, map it out, go get it, design the exact life that you want. And there's this whole other side of things where there are things in your life that are outside of your control that you can't just actually put it on your vision board and say, this is the life that I'm going to build. And okay, what happens when things start happening that are outside of your control? And I think especially with high achievers, we can have that mentality where it's something an obstacle comes and it's just like all right i'm gonna take it on i'm gonna take it on i'm gonna take it on but eventually what i hear you saying is the starting place of taking it on actually came from a place of surrender where you just had to say man there's something this is too big for my shoulders to carry like i actually need to as the bible would say cast my cares onto someone else who can actually walk alongside me and and carry this with me 100 percent accurate to a t yep it's an incredible story was there in terms of your faith was there questioning at times of okay god i'm praying for you to heal me like why am i still getting these fevers why haven't you healed me yet why would you let this happen to me those types of questions not at this time no not at all like at this time i was just like so like during the process i was just like i was confident i knew i was hitting all the marks i was supposed to i was achieving what i had to medically every single time the only thing that was nagging were those fevers and that's where i asked and i received and and that from that point on it was like Thank you, Jesus. I, I am, I'm a believer. Like I'm on board, 100%. The only time that I started, not my faith wavering, but questioning, was really when I relapsed in 2020. See, I was good from 2014, 20 end of 2014. My, my health was perfect. I, I no, no issues with my blood test. No grass versus host disease. Like crystal clear blood, everything. I, I even in 2020, I had a doctor appointment in early 2020, and my blood was even good then. But then I relapsed in, in June of 2020. And even my doctor was scratching his head like, 
what, this doesn't make any sense. So at that point, like I had all, I had given all the credit to God for healing me. And I was like, thank you for healing me. You healed me. You saved me. Thank you for healing me. And then this happened. So that's where, that's the moment that I was like, okay, now I got to understand what's really going on here. I had to really check my faith. And, and I never was like, I'm mad at you, God, you lied to me. Like th- th- none of that ever came to me, but I definitely was like, all right, why? Like, why is this happening? There's gotta be, in my mindset went, there's gotta be a better, a bigger reason. There's gotta be a greater purpose. Like for my life, like I met, I have to go through this again. God didn't give me cancer again. He didn't give me cancer the first time. Like God, like he's allowing me to go through this right now because there's gotta be a greater purpose that I'm supposed to have in this world going through this. So at that point in time, I'm like, I'm gonna share my journey. So that's when the phone came out and I started recording myself and putting it on the internet and sharing like <clears throat> what my day-to-day was to hope that I could inspire somebody. Cause I'm like, if that's what it is, God, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna check that box and make sure I'm doing what I have to do to make somebody's day brighter every single day while I'm going through this. And it did, I know it did. And people would reach out to me and tell me how inspired they were about how positive I was going through the battle. And this is in 2020, so yeah. And, and then it, in, in 2021, when I met all you guys, I had to go through it again. But that's when I, I threw, through like the Council of Christian, talking to him <clears throat> and Lucy, just understanding like God's will. Like God's will is like, I'm not, I have to understand that whatever happens to me in life is not like, He's not making it happen, but at the end of the day, there's got to be a lesson learned from it. And there's something good that will come out of it, no matter which way it ends up. No matter which way it ends up. So that's where my, like, I had some questions early on in 2020 when this relapsed, but I I just kept pushing on. There's, I'm searching for the reason, searching for the why. And that actually, again, more of that came from when we started the foundation. Like I got out of the hospital in 2020 and I was talking to my wife. We had, we had one of our relatives had a t-shirt fundraiser, like a team John t-shirt fundraiser. Cause we had always done golf tournaments in the past. And, and she's all, oh, when we do another golf tournament, we should have, we should pay for it for, for all the volunteers, get them all t-shirts and the rest of the money can go to the foundation. And I'm thinking, as soon as she said that word foundation, I'm like, it hit me like a jolt to the heart. Like we don't have a foundation. I'm like, okay, God, you want us to create a charitable foundation. It was like at that moment, I was like, I knew the next step. I knew the next step for me was something that I didn't want to do before because I thought of it before in 2014. I thought of doing a 501c3, but it was too much work. It was too much. I, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to, it was just too much for me, I thought. I, I didn't know how to overcome that. But at that moment, it wasn't too much. It was determined that we were doing that, like in a snap. So that's what we did. We started Team John Foundation in November 2020. Amazing. And I think you did something that most people I talk to wouldn't do, which is start to help others when you yourself are very much so in need of help. I think a lot of people think, yeah, once my finances are all set, then I'll help people with their finances. Or once my uh, health is taken care of, then I'll go out and help somebody else get there. Once I'm in a good place, once I'm taken care of, then I'll go encourage somebody else. But what I hear you saying is that 
in your darkest moments, at your worst time, when you're most vulnerable, when you're most, when it's most raw, when you're most at need, you begin to reach out to try to encourage others. Did you find that you drew strength from encouraging others, even in your darkest moments? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. It was one of those things where I'd share my thoughts and feelings of that day, and I'd be thanking people for praying for me and and, and just loving on me and loving on my family and. And you, I would just, I would look forward to being able to share that because I knew that mm-hmm. the messages that I was getting back was w- messages of, of love, obviously, and support for me and my family, but also thank, thanking me for yeah. putting this out there and, and inspiring them. But yeah, no, I, it was something that, that I felt like it wasn't a chore. It was something that I just naturally wanted to do. And this is such a, an important principle, I think, for people to understand because we think yeah, once I get my own mess cleaned up, then that's when I'll have value to bring to someone else. But there's a Bible verse that says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So as you pour out, even when you feel like I don't have anything to pour out, it is actually healing to you, I believe, to encourage others. And I think I can think back at different moments in my life where God's taught me this principle, whether it was playing college sports, I was exhausted and I'm thinking, I don't think I can run one more sprint, but I used my last couple breaths to tell my buddy, hey man, don't quit, get up, you can do it. And I found that as those words came out of my mouth, man, I feel like I'm not going to give up either. I believe, I'm believing the things that that I'm saying. And I found that, that different times in my life, whether it's feeling depressed or feeling anxious, one of the main ways that I've gotten out of those dark moments in my life is not actually primarily by putting the focus entirely on me and saying, okay, I need to focus on Caleb getting out of this, but by turning my attention to others and saying, okay, how can I help this person uh, get out of depression or get out of anxiety? And I've realized that it's, it's really freed both of us up. So I commend you for in your darkest moments, reaching out, encouraging other people, but then growing this foundation. So tell me a little bit about the foundation and and what's the mission and and vision behind the foundation. Yeah, so when this came to me, I was just like, all right, what do I need to do? Is it just gonna be cancer patient driven? And I'm like, no, it's gotta be bigger than that. It's gotta be broader than that. So we talked, my wife and I talked and it it was just like, all right, let's help. How can we help people that, that fall on crisis? Like, could be a cancer diagnosis and you end up in the hospital. It could be any other illness or sickness where that happens. But we saw it through COVID. We, there's a lot of people that lost a lot of people. And things just got really tough for people, even just getting sick and getting just passing, just all sorts of illnesses and, and situations. And it doesn't have to be medical. But we, we just really wanted to help the broad spectrum of people that needed it or that need it. So the mission is basically to help people that fall on sudden crisis, period. So if, if we can pick them up financially, we want to. Granted, right now we're new. We're raising funds. We're having a golf tournament in this fall for our first time. So it's important to raise funds. So we And this is part of the, the leadership at King's Council Coaching that they gave me was, was don't think so small. The mission is to help people. Right now we're writing small checks. But now my mindset is not as small. And I, the goal is to write much larger checks so I can truly make an impact. So Team John Foundation can really make an impact because writing a check of $500 is good, but it would feel a heck of a lot better and it would help that person to make a bigger impact if I could write 1000 or 1500 or 2000 to really impact that individual. 
You know what I mean? So yeah, our mission is really just to help people that fall on that sudden crisis and pick them up any way that we can. It's so powerful. And I think especially in the church where I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out what they believe about money. Is money okay to have in the church? Is it important Mm, or is it mostly dangerous? Should we stay away from money? And I remember when my mindset switched about finances and it was when someone was generous to me and I, and my wife and I were sleeping on this horrible bed. We had bricks, you know, propped up underneath it and and towels and stuff. I was a youth pastor. So I was making like 20 something, whatever a year as a youth pastor, just, you know, getting by and uh, yeah, someone, someone gave us a thousand dollars and man, I took that, I took 250 bucks from it and I went out and bought a mattress for 250 bucks and just to be able to sleep at night and not wake up with a sore back every day and not wake up 10 times in the night it was nothing short of life-changing to to just and that's where i think people can think materialism yes we absolutely have to be cautious of those things but it was actually a product that someone gave me finances to go buy a product that was so helpful for me and I'm just even thinking of you, we had this, you had put out some kind of call of, of, hey, anybody know anybody that fell on hard times? And I said, yeah, there's actually this family in my church that they were getting sick and they couldn't figure out why they were getting sick. And it was because their house was full of mold and they kept going to the hospital and all these different things, had no idea. They weren't overly financially, they were were getting by, but their house got condemned because of mold. So now they're completely, they still have to pay off this mortgage payment on their house, but they can't live in the house and insurance isn't gonna cover it. So now they're homeless. How do they even start to, they pick up another mortgage payment? It was just one of these horrible, situations and I remember you wrote a check without having ever met this family without anything other than me saying yeah I got a family that's in some hard times you wrote them a check and I'm telling you what you will never know how much that check meant to that family and obviously God's using you to facilitate but also all the people that have donated into your foundation yes that's eternal of eternal value as well and so I just love that you're stacking up all these testimonies of people whose lives are changed. Yes, it's great to have encouragement. Yes, it's great to have somebody share the gospel. Yes, it's great to have all the different ministries that we're doing. But I do think there's such a ministry of financial generosity that the church needs to get a hold of. And I just love that you're at the center of what I believe is a move of God to be faithful givers into the kingdom. Yeah, man, I appreciate that and I received that. I, for me, it, it's a great feeling. And as much as I would love to know how people receive it, like part of me wants to know that, but part of me doesn't need to know that. I really don't because I know what I'm doing is for the greater good. I, for instance, there's a, like on social media, I, I meet people here and there. There's somebody that I met through one of the social media platforms. He's, go, go, he's going through terminal cancer. And he's, he's like, he, he put a post out, I regret having to do this, a, a GoFundMe, and I'm like, I sent him a message like, oh man, I said, give me your address. Let me help you out. It won't be anything crazy, but I want to at least help you with something. And immediately he, he just starts opening it up. Like, I can't believe that you do that. You don't even know me. When this stuff comes in from my mother's estate, I will pay you back every penny. I'm like, listen, man, bro, don't worry about it. I don't need any of it. Mm. This is from, this is the reason why we started this foundation is so we can do things like that. So if it, if, if what I can do helps you out even a little bit, that's all. I know that I'm happy with that. And, and some people are like, John, you don't have, like, 
how do you know they're not they're not using it for something that you know that that they shouldn't be using it for? I I don't. I don't, it's, it, but it goes back to the same thing. Like when you're driving down the street and somebody has a sign and they, they need money. When God calls you to give them money, you don't worry. Like, it's not up to me what they do with that money. But if God calls me to give them 20 bucks that's in my wallet, I'm going to give them 20 bucks because yeah. it, it, that's not on me. So it's the same thing here. It's the trust of, of the Lord saying, what well, if it strikes me to give them, write them a check, then I'm going to do it. And I just trust that they're going to do, they're going to steward it well and do take care of what they need to take care of, period. So maybe at some point we'll have to have some sort of application process for people that we don't know that come through us. I know you. I trust you. I trust. Like, that's how it's come to us through our network. So as we grow, we're going to have more of a a formal application process, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, what I'm not going to, am I going to really say no to somebody says that they need some money? Probably not. Probably not. Right. Well, it's incredible, man. I, I absolutely love what you're doing. I commend you for what you're doing. I think it's I think it's so massively important. One of the things that I think people don't think about is people are throwing up prayers to God every day. Yeah. The primary way that God has chosen to work on planet Earth is going to be through other people. Could God miraculously put $10,000 in your mailbox? He could. God could, out of thin air, put $10,000 in your mailbox, (laughs) but I've never seen that happen. I've seen it happen over and over again where God speaks to someone like a John Krause and says, hey, someone has prayed to me. Someone's asked me for financial help, and now I'm going to use you to be a vessel of my generosity. And so we are really we get to be, and it's amazing yeah. that God even gives us the honor to partner with him in this, but we get Amen. to be an extension of his generosity, his yep. blessing to people. And so even that family that you were a part of blessing, I know that they were praying for financial blessing. God, can you make, could you help us out financially? Now all of a sudden God speaks to someone across the country in Connecticut because of this connection and just miraculously allows them to to get these finances, to get that relief. And I just think, man, I want to be used as the answer to somebody's prayer. Obviously, ultimately God, but I want God to use me to answer that prayer. I love what you're doing, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, and it's crazy. Like you said that God uses you as a vessel. And as you know, back in 2014, after I battled it the first time, I didn't share I didn't share what I went through. Some people were like, oh, you should write a journal. And granted, 2014, social media was out there, but I didn't like, I didn't put it out there like as much as what I did in 2020. And I think that doing that just answered the the call a little bit better, like really yeah. helped more people. And it just really gave me a, like a purpose. Like, all right, this right, I'm supposed to be a vessel and, and I know that's my life's mission. I have to, I, I want to help people, period. Yes, in my business, I help people buy houses and things like that, but for this is way deeper than that. It's helping people when they need it most in really desperate yeah. times. And yeah, it's just it 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 if it, it, the words are like they to fill your cup and, and fill your bucket, fill whatever. I'm just so lucky and so blessed to have gone I'm lucky to have gone through what I've gone through. I'm blessed because that's led me to where I am today. I don't I I don't for one minute say, "Man, if I never like, if I never went through what I went through, Team John Foundation wouldn't be here. I don't think. I, it, it, there's a reason why I went through everything that I've gone through, a hundred percent. Yeah. So I don't like. Yeah, there's some days where I'm like, man, it'd be cool to, 
Like, I'm just trying to think. Yeah, it'd be cool to go out and play hockey indoors right now because what I went through, and I, my immune system's low, and there's some, like, battles like that, but it's never, like, never anything more than that. I don't sit back and feel bad for myself. Not one day. Yeah. I'm just yeah. grateful every day that I, I get to go to bed and say the Lord's Prayer and thank Jesus for the people and the kids and the, and the people in my life and the time that I spent mm. with them that day. Yeah. That's so good, man. It's I was going to say that's a winning mentality, but it's probably most reflective of someone that knows Jesus and has walked that journey with him. Now, we don't have a ton of time left, but if you want to hear more about John's story, you talk quite a bit on, on your podcast, right? The True Story Bro podcast. So people can search. It's called True Story Bro, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, I let you know a little bit more in depth on on my journey. The first three chapters are my journey. And I started this, again, it was one of those things. I never wanted to have a podcast at all. It was never like, yes, yeah. let's do it. But it was one of those, again, I feel like it was one of those taps on the shoulder. Like, John, you need to highlight other people's stories. So, yeah, I shared, shared my journey the first three episodes. But every other episode after that is just sharing people's stories of overcoming great odds, period. Could it be health? Mm -hmm. Could it be financial? Whatever it is. Yeah, so that, that's it. Look it up and, and follow us and let me know how you feel. Excellent. Excellent. And I know you're active on social media as well. How can people connect with you there? Anywhere. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. I can send you all the links. I don't even know my links off the top of my head. It's John Krause. So J-O-H-N-K-R-A-U-S-E. John Krause. You can find him on just about every platform. Yep. Before we, we go here, I did want to touch base with what you're doing professionally. And actually, yep. I wanted to circle back around to something you said at the beginning of, of the podcast yep. that you were searching. You were going mm -hmm. from one gig to another. Yeah. Man, I calls all day every day with people that are in that place where they feel like there's this burning desire they feel like they, they were made for a purpose but it's just from one thing to the next they never really feel like they're living their purpose so do you feel like you're living your purpose now and if so how did you get to that place and then again maybe if you could just mention a little bit more specifically what you're doing now yeah, so I, I, like I said, when we al actually tallied up the amount of jobs that I've had, and, and I'm 46, I'm, I'm not a, a, a spring chicken, but I'm not retired yet or anywhere close to that. I, my wife and I, I added them up. I've had 23 different positions since college, mm. right? That's a lot. And a lot of people, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people laughed at John Krause saying, wow, you're changing jobs again? You're doing this again? And that's one thing I was never afraid of is the risk to keep searching to find like what I was supposed to do, what, I don't know if you want to call it destined to do, but what I was going to be happy doing and was going to provide for the, my family. So I was always looking for that next best thing until, you know, it was 2020, no, it was 20, 2017. I was in an insurance job and they laid all of us off, every one of us. Every one of the marketing reps, they took our cars away. It was a cushy job. But I was still, at that point, still searching for that next best thing. It wasn't like the thing that I found was the best. And then I had to sit there and think, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? God, what am I supposed to be doing? What am yeah. I, like, so I had to really sit back and think, what was the career that I had in my past that I enjoyed? The day-to-day, the, the, -day, the finances, what made me feel good, what made, like, what was that? And it, it landed seriously back in the mortgage business. And then I was like, I, I, I can't take that leap and go from making a salary. I have an MBA. I make a salary. To go to not making a salary, 
And then lo and behold, I get a message from a guy that I used to, you know, work with in the mortgage business back in 05, 06, 07, whenever that was. He's like, hey, do you know anybody that's looking for a job in, as a loan officer? And I'm like, nope. And I, I had landed another like temporary job in the insurance business. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, <clears throat> I'm in the insurance business, but I'm about to leave. I can't stand it. The guy that I work for is evil. And he really was. I didn't enjoy working for him at all. He's like, why don't you get back to the mortgage business? I'm like, man, bro, I can't do that. Like, I can't go back to like commission. And he promised me, oh, we can get you in with a salary. And I'm like, all right, now we're talking. All right, now we're talking. So like my thought process in my mind and my heart kind of started to add up with like potential reality. So lo and behold, long story short, I took the leap. The salary wasn't there only for a handful of months, like five, six months, but it was enough to get me back into the business. And, and I never looked back. I never looked back. I burned the bridge to go back, like the possibility to get that job to go back. And I just put all my eggs in that basket and went forward. And I, that was from 2017. And now in 2022, I've launched my own company called Starbucks Capital. And it is for investors. So any investor that needs financing, that's who I service for fix and flips, for rental properties, Airbnbs, you, you, apartment buildings. So I went full tilt, full all in, in this business and it's had its bumps, but I love life. I love where I am now. I love the freedom that I get to have. I love the, the financially, it's great, but it's really, it's fulfilling because the finances are there, but I also get to live the life that I want which is for my family and for God. And I get to do the charity stuff and I get to do everything that I'm doing right now, which I, I honestly couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier. Amazing. So what I heard you say was ask God and then you got to find the right opportunity and then you got to take some risk. At some point you actually yeah. have to jump. And so, yep. yeah, there you go. If you're in that place where you feel like, man, it's I'm not there yet. I'm not in that place. Be encouraged, but just start by asking God, looking for those opportunities, and then at some point, you're going to have to jump. And what we say a lot in the King's Council is action brings clarity. So yes. if you jump and you realize six months in, like I did, right man, this insurance, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, this insurance gig isn't for me. Guess what? You could jump again. You're not necessarily destined. I think sometimes people are so afraid of what if it's the wrong move? Okay, well, make another move. That, right. Like you can actually continue to pivot until you find the right fit. How have you balanced this? And maybe this will be one of my last questions I ask you. Now that you are in that, that I think the other side of the coin is people always have that shiny object syndrome and there's always a greener grass. How do you stay level-headed with what you're doing now? For me, it just comes down to work. I'm just putting in the work and now my focus is to growing the company. Like there, for me, this it's not. So to bring it back to what you said real quick, don't be afraid to take that risk and don't worry about what other people think. You have to you have to not have that concern of what your friends think because a lot of times the right path isn't going to be the path that everyone else is on. A lot of times that's how yeah. it is, and that goes with work, that goes with family, that goes with faith. That goes so take the path that's the right path for you, and don't be afraid to do it. Don't worry about what other people say because if they're talking about you, then you don't need them. That's my mindset for that. But for me, it's it's you just have to figure out what you enjoy. So I've got the life that I have right now is. I, I, if I didn't have the health issues, it would give me a lot of freedoms. And that's the other half of it. Going through the health yeah. issues that I've had, I've able, I've been able to work through the entire thing. I've been able to still write sure. mortgages through the entire thing. So yeah, I, I just think that you just have to keep searching and not be afraid to, like you said, at any time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very good. 
So if someone wants to work with you professionally, what's the best way to get in contact with you? They can email me, send me an email, text message me, either way. Yeah. What's your email? jkraus, J-K-R-A-U-S-E, at Starvox, S-T-A-R, V as in Victor, O-X, capital, dot com. There you go. Definitely reach out to John. So jkraus at starvoxcapital.com. John, any final thoughts that you want to give to our listeners? Any final piece of advice or wisdom that you want to say before we jump off this call? Your mindset, your positive mindset takes you a lot further than you think. I had one person one day say, is your positivity fake? Is it fake? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are truly fake positive people. Because there's a lot of times that you can actually say, I'm doing great or I'm doing wonderful out in the open, but deep down in your heart, you're not. So you've got to check the positivity and make sure it's true and you're really feeling that spirit. Because if you feel that spirit of positivity, it can really move mountains. And, and the last mm-hmm. thing is, if you're encountering something big and it's bigger than you, always know you got God on your side. Lean on God. Lean on your faith. Mm-hmm. That right there is the answer. Period. Drop the mic. Love it, brother. Man, it's taken too long to get you on the podcast. So I know, thank you go. for taking time out of your day and, uh, and joining us and dropping all those bombs of wisdom. I so appreciate you. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. I appreciate being on here and uh, look forward to doing life with you guys. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to this golf tournament coming up here. So It's going to be great. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of The Chosen Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Spittler. We will catch you on the next episode.